Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah Streming, the Cog Dog Coach, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I cover behavior concepts, discuss training ideas, interview experts, and explore my cases, all regarding the dogs we live and play with. Let's go. Hey, everybody. I think you're going to love this guest. Justine Shermans is a certified professional dog trainer, knowledge assessed, as well as a licensed family dog mediator. And she's produced this thing called the dial method, the busy parents shortcut to raising a family dog, right? And I know that typically we're not talking about family dogs on this podcast, but a lot of the time the dogs we're talking about happen to be family dogs. And I think this stuff is going to be relevant for everybody, whether you're a professional a pet owner, a dog sports competitor, etc. Justine is a special one. She is a former television producer. She worked for Nickelodeon and MTV. And she's a fun, engaging, very realistic person who I think you're going to love. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Will you share your name and pronouns with us? Yes, my name is Justine Shermans, and I am she, her. Justine, we are talking today because you have got this thing that you're calling the dial (laughs) method, and I want you to explain it, and we're going to get nitty-gritty. We're going to talk about all of the ins and outs of this thing, but I want to tell the listeners that I met you at Aggression in Dogs at the conference, and you reached out and said, Hey, you know, check out this thing I made. (laughs) And this happens all the time. And usually I'm like, that's nice. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And this time I was like, Oh no, this is good. This can, this can help people. This can really help people. So that's why we're here and talking. So what is it? Tell us about it. First of all, I found your message so funny. You're like, I'm not easily impressed. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not easily impressed. Anyway. No, no, but you know what? Once you've, once you've been doing stuff for quite a long time, I totally, mm-hmm. I totally felt that. And, uh, you know, it was very, it was very flattering that you, uh, you enjoyed it because I've been listening to your podcast and, and I really appreciate the information you're putting out. And I loved your presentation at Aggression and Dog. So I was like, yeah, I feel like this is, this could be an interesting fit. Um, so what is the dial method? Okay. Well, first of all, calling it a method sounded a little, part of me feels like it's a little hokey, but at the same time, I think that the, I've been working with families now for nearly 20 years. And I think that the general perception is that when you get a dog, you're going to put the dog through dog training. So if I call this a dog training program, I would be lying because it really isn't about training dogs. In fact, I kind of boast about the fact that there's no dog training in it at all. What it is, is it's really helping the humans understand their role in the relationship. And I don't think that we spend enough time talking about that. I know when I I got into this, you know, a long time ago, and I did two different apprenticeships in different places, um, one in New York City and one in Jersey, both for really amazing um, trainers worked with brilliant people except for the welfare side of the dog was really not talked Mm. about much I didn't nobody talked to me about body language for years I mean it was just unbelievable and then as I got older and then I started working I had children of my own and realized that you know if you're a parent and you've got a dog in your house 
it is a very different ball game to raising a dog when there's just you and your dog. And these people weren't actually allowed to bring their children into the training school where I was working because they were too young, but they were going home and living with the dog 24-7 and they weren't getting any help. So not only did the parents need help, but the kids needed help too. So that's how I started kind of doing this very specialized niche working with families piece. And um, and I've just found over the years that families are getting busier and busier and busier and dogs are being more misunderstood and being squashed into really weird, uncomfortable spaces that is hard for them to be successful in. And I was like, I need to create something that helps everybody understand each other a little bit better and build. I always think of it, I'm such a visual person. So I always think of it as like the bridge. I, there's the people on one side and there's the dogs on the other side and everybody wants to be happy. What what kind of bridges can I can create to help them live a better, safer, happier life together? So that's the overarching theme of it. That's not telling you what it is, I realize. No, that's okay. So that's, but that's where it's coming from. That's, that's the theme. And I think that my listeners are going to really resonate with this, the welfare piece kind of missing from a mainstream approach to dog training. And I think any of the behavior pros or the training pros that are listening are going to really resonate with sometimes feeling lost when dealing with an entire family. Like sometimes we feel like we have to be a marriage counselor. And then when you throw children also into the mix, we're dealing with this really complex dynamic and we're asked to come in and kind of just solve a problem and treat it as if, you know, the the thing, the dog is treated as like, there's this thing in our house that doesn't work right. Can you come in and fix right. it? And right. it's really frustrating for us because we kind of know it doesn't work like that. And yet mm-hmm. we are being hired to do to help them. We want to help mm-hmm. them because if you come in and you just kind of sweep in and say, well, everything you're doing is wrong, of course you're having a problem. You're not helping anyone. And if you sweep in and say, well, you need to cut um, soccer practice and ballet practice out in order to train the dog. You're not helping anyone because that's probably not going to happen. And it's just, it's, it's really complex. And I think that what you've done is make something that is simple and easy for, for people to understand that kind of explains this thing we've been trying to say, which is, Hey, the dog is not an appliance for us to fix. It's a living, breathing thing that is in your home that really wants to be part of your family. And they want the dog to be part of their family too. Like nobody gets a dog for it to be the appliance. <laughs> they, you know, they're all seeking something when they get the dog. So I see that you did a thing which I admire in anyone, which is that you saw a problem and you, you created something to fix the problem. And So talk a little bit more about what it actually is and what it looks like. I just feel like I want to jump in and talk um, about how I can totally understand being a professional going into a home with all of these, you know, different opinions and needs and Mm -hmm. wants, and you're trying to juggle everything. And now, and as you said, um, often the humans can see the dog as an appliance that needs to be fixed. And 
it's re- it can be overwhelming as a professional to be thinking like sorting through all the information in your head and trying to pick out something that you think is really really relevant that you can put in the family's kind of like ether that can cut through all the noise and help the dog that's what I'm thinking like how do I do this yeah. so there's a couple of pieces is the the dial method itself is simple enough for everybody to be able to remember it it's just cut into four a circle that's cut into four sections that I'm calling zones because god forbid we call them quadrants I kept my defaulting to quadrants because and I was like do not burn that word let's not talk about freaking quadrants I was in preparing for this I was like Wait, no, we can't say quadrant. No, it is banished. Wait a minute. No, we cannot say the word quadrant because we're not talking about, we're not talking about the quadrants. We are talking about zones. Okay. Okay. We're talking about zones. So I think that's a safer space, safer space (laughs) to land. But before we go into what the zones are and, and how simple this is, I think there's something that, that as professionals, we're not capitalizing on. And that is that parents actually have a skill set that we just are not using. They have raised kids before. So there's lots of Mm. things that they actually can tap into that they already know. They know about management. They know about scheduling. They know that if they've got more than one child, they don't all look the same and have the same opinions. And you can't just because you do it one way with your first kid, do it the same way with your second, expect the same outcome. So this is, it's a really easy kind of like um, route to travel in and then just say, look, you know how to do this with your kids. Let's just kind of switch you over to thinking about this from a dog's perspective. And then all of a sudden you can see the penny drop, you know, like you wouldn't leave a toddler in your backyard for a couple of hours and -hmm. just be like, I'm just going to come inside and do the laundry and like, just don't get up to any mischief or get really angry if the toddler does something that it's perceived as getting up to mischief. Mm -hmm. It's like, as soon as you say that, immediately you can see the eyes shift and the brain goes, oh, got it. And so, I don't know, for me that I like that because it's like a shorthand. um, But to go to the dial specifically, so the four different zones, um, the first one is see your dog, which is... um, really bringing the the family's awareness to the fact that dogs as a whole behave like dogs I'm poor old dogs Mm. I mean like if you brought a lion into your house and expected and just like let it loose and it acted like a lion you wouldn't be surprised and then we bring dogs into our home I know it's upsetting it's upsetting (laughs) so but so it's like it talks about the general generalizations of, of dogs right general behavior and then specifically encouraging families to look at their individual unique dog to actually see them and understand who they are and use that as the foundation to sort of move forward with whatever they want to teach them and then we have parent your dog which is the second zone which is really about capitalizing on the skills that they already know and make them really relatable so from meeting their needs um, to being clear consistent and kind which I think is really really important um The third zone is teach your kids, which is something that I've been kind of specializing in for many moons, but condensing and refining the message to try to help people understand things like what is, what does safety look like? What does respect look like? How can we like quantify it, put it on a poster, teach our children so that they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing um, around their dogs. And then also one of the other pieces that I um, have gone deeper into is the different roles between what parents should be doing and what kids should be doing 
we don't talk mm-hmm. about this enough, but it's really, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, it's really important to create safety and connection um, for both the dog and the kids. And then the last zone is create a plan. And we all know, I mean, I just know with my own dogs, like take my kids out of it. Even actually in life or just in general, when stuff starts to go wrong, you can track it back to how you've not planned. You're like, oh, and there it is. You know, <laughs> I'm stranded here. My car's not working because I didn't, you know, change the oil. It kept the light kept flashing. Mm-hmm. I kept ignoring it and I didn't do it. So like being proactive and creating a plan um, is so important because you can know all the best stuff in the world. But if you don't actually plan around certain situations, you could find yourself in deep water. Um, so if you imagine, I know that this is a podcast so people can't see it, but if you imagine that it's a circle and then or it's got concentric circles that have different um, elements to it to help people mm-hmm. really see this. So it can be, it can be printed out on one piece of paper so you can refer back to it, but right in the middle are the dog skills and the dog skills are really tiny because actually if we do our bit really, really well, we don't need to put a ton of skills on a dog to live a really great life with them. If we want to, awesome. I, I love training and I, I think it's super fun and adds to the communication. But the average family doesn't have a lot of time to do the training that we might as professionals do. So why don't we build in, you know, a handful of awesome rock solid skills that they can use everywhere? Yeah. So a couple of points that I want to pull out. The first one is when you called his own parent, your dog, and you talk about using skills that parents already have, which is definitely a hack that I learned when I was working more in homes with families, for sure. Is like, if you just say, Hey, you already know how to do this. Like you're already so good at it. Look, you have two kids. It empowers them. And it's really, it's really helpful. But do you get, do you get pushback on it from other professionals? Because sometimes I think we do when we say things like parent or we talk about parenting in relation to dogs. Do you want to talk about that at all? I actually love that you asked that question. I am. When I first released this, um, I made a little um, Instagram reel about it because I was, I was on the fence about using the word parent. Mm. And then I just was like, no, I'm going full two feet in with this because when you bring a pet dog into your home, and I, I've talked to um, Kim Brophy a lot about this stuff, um, we're removing the dog's family structure. We mm-hmm. are essentially by default the dog's family, whether we like it or yeah. not, and whether they we like are. it or not, that's what's happening. And so they are not our children, but they are our dependents. And mm-hmm. I think that when you have a being that's depending on you for absolutely everything, their food, their safety and security, their shelter, um, for you to advocate for them, um, we have to consider this. The closest thing that we can, it's just relatable for me, is that we know what parenting looks like. Even if you don't have children, you have been a child and you know what good parenting looks like and you know what crappy parenting looks like as well. And so I think it's just really relatable. And I think the downsides might be, I've been trying to like rack my brain, like what could people be really irritated about using that word? And I think it's the anthropomorphism that could be a bit of an issue. Sure. Um, sure. And maybe the lumping kids and dogs on the same level where some people would be more comfortable saying there should be a parent at the top and then a kid and then the dog underneath. But I don't like that hierarchy at all. I just Mm. feel like parents are the rule setters and the boundary creators. 
and they are there to care for and protect both the dogs and the kids and dogs and kids to me are on the same level um they should be like siblings and they're relationship should be created like siblings where they're not putting each other in a timeout um they should just be um enjoying each other's company one one little thing that i think because you're a parent yourself but i am Mm -hmm. not so when i as Mm -hmm. a professional speak to people who are parents about parenting sometimes they do shut down and kind of call me out on that because how could I possibly understand anything about being a parent? So would you say to to professionals like me who don't have children that I could still lean on these analogies and it's really about my delivery (laughs) and not necessarily about the actual analogy itself being a problem? I think, I mean, again, it depends who you're dealing with. Don't you think? I mean, every client's different and some people may embrace it and some people might be a hard no. And if they really are a hard no, there's probably not much you can do to convince them. But I just think in our frame of reference, we've all been parented. And so, and sometimes even people that have not had children, I mean, do you, how do you feel about your dogs just out of interest? Do they feel like you're taking care of them like your kids and not necessarily yes, a child. I but... feel No, but I feel the most, because especially because I don't have children, that when I think about my dogs, that is when I feel the most maternal. Like I don't feel maternal yeah. other times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. before I had children, I had a dog and if he f- was like my baby, I mean, he really was. I, yes, because it yeah. was the first time in my adult life I'd actually had to have something that I had to take care of that without me, he would have died. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I was crap at taking care of plants, but I apparently was like, okay at taking care of, of dogs. And so that made me feel, I think you're right. It made me feel yeah. really maternal. In fact, I am so, <laughs> I'm so, um, I don't know what the word is. I'm so intense about my caretaking role with my dogs that I sometimes think if they were human children, I'd totally be screwing them up with my intensity about <laughs> about the caretaking. So, <laughs> so here we are. Um, yeah. I actually yeah, did yeah, have, I had a- my intensity <laughs> that's not a human child. That is great. <laughs> I did have a client, one of my first clients when I started years ago, he had, um, he was ex-military and he had PTSD and he was really, really wanted children. And he actually said, we want to get a dog to just like really perfect our parenting skills. So that mm. just made me think about that. I hadn't thought about that, but he was like, I just want to make sure I'm really good at this. I want to kind of like nail yeah. down my skills before we have kids. It's like, yeah. Cool. I just think there's room for us to kind of talk about it like this. I think when people yeah. get kind of prickly about it, we can just let them be prickly yeah. over there about it. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, like, I'm just not for everyone and that's fine. <laughs> kind of totally. Situation. Oh, totally. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not here to force my opinions on you, but right. I'm just trying to f- figure out ways that you can be like, Oh yes, I get it. Cause if we can create a shorthand with this, this is one of the other things that I, I love about using this method is that there's a shared language in this. You can get quickly to things um when you're talking about uh, there's a little um, I know you've seen it Sarah says like a dial devil in the video which is like the naughty kind of foil that's trying to ruin everything for you mm-hmm. and um and I, I chose to use that because 
I wanted to talk about the things that we do to dogs that they don't always like that are sometimes um, they come from inside of us because of, you know, how we've been conditioned. And they also are coming from the outside, from the many, many social media messages and your neighbor who's got an opinion about how you walk your dog down the street and everything else. Um, And I wanted to have like this external voice that I could just say, it's not your fault. This is just, this is the way this this is what yeah. we're, we're the, the society that we're living in right now. Um, but now when you talk about the dial devil stuff, you can be like, oh, that's a dial devil thing. That, so it's a nice, really nice. Hand. Yeah. Really nice language um, to be able to use. I actually really liked that part. And we're going to jump into kind of what the product looks like in a second. But I want to talk about one last little bit, which is the skills bit. And having that kind of being a lesser part of, of what you do. And the reason I want to talk about it is because it tends to be a big part of what I do. Mm-hmm. I lean really heavily on welfare and I have for a really long time and it is always kind of first and foremost. And I think that where I've arrived, because I've, I've been a part of this conversation that is pushing for teaching people how to provide better welfare essentially for their dogs over teaching people how to train their dogs or, or teach them skills. I've been a part of this conversation and I think it's a really important worthwhile conversation. And I also sometimes think that we have, this is, <laughs> I also think sometimes we, the pendulum has swung too far away from the skills training. So where I've kind of arrived and I want to know your thoughts on it, is that I think that the the amount of skill the dog needs is proportionate to the amount of difficulty the situation is. So like if I need mm-hmm. my, and this is a reflection a lot of times of my clientele, if I need this dog that has stranger directed aggression to go into a crate that is then placed on an airplane that is then flown overseas, and then you collect the dog, and then you go to a very intense arena um, environment and then you compete in dog agility and also they have to have a vet check and they have to have their microchip scanned and they have to, and all of this happens over the course of a few days and the dog then also needs to show up and compete. Welfare alone is not going to get that done for you. Mm -mm. (laughs) So I think that that's where, you know, that's a really extreme example, but a real Mm -hmm. one for me in my life. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at, a household, like say uh, my sister and her husband and their dog. And what their dog needs to do is tolerate the family coming over sometimes and like go for a walk mm-hmm. on a leash down the street. And the neighborhood's mm-hmm. a little bit hard, but you know, overall he doesn't need to ever get on an airplane and <laughs> he doesn't ever, and he can actually have medication to help him at the vet if that's <laughs> something that's hard for him. And like, it's, There's just such a, so the difficulty of the situations that that dog has to be in are extremely different from the other one. And I think the skills required are proportionate. Yes, a hundred percent agree. I tend to think of the skills. I hadn't thought about it in the level of difficulty, but that makes sense. My way of thinking about it is that the skills are proportionate to the level of freedom you want to give your dog. I love that. Say more about that. So I have a working cocker. (laughs) 
<laughs> she says, mm-hmm. rubbing oh. her head. Oh, that's so funny. That's so interesting. That a person would make a choice <laughs> like that. I, well, and the gene, the gene pool for the show type cockers here in the states. I wanted an English cocker, but the gene pool is is very limited and it's very difficult. It very much is, yeah. And I didn't. And I there's a breeder here in in New Jersey, so I was able to see the puppies from when the day that they were born. Basically, well, it wasn't exactly yeah. like three weeks in, and he he was um, breeding for um, health and biddability, yeah. and I was like, that sounds awesome. That why wouldn't I pick that? They're really and they're his, getting really popular in agility, so yeah, definitely, yeah, experience them for sure. But his dad <laughs> is third in the country of like field hunting, and yeah. so. Guess guess what he's like, Sarah. Imagine he's a he's, lot. What? He's, he's, he's a, a lot. He's, he's a crack dog. He is. He's a lot of dog, and I love him. But he is so much dog. Um, and I, I, he's not the kind of dog you're going to walk around the block and be like, okay, we're done now. So come in. Um, he right. needs to run through fields for his welfare. Yeah. He won't pick a trail. Yeah. He'll pick long grass, and he wants to be in it. And so every day, you know, for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening we're out we're playing frisbee we're doing all of that yeah. stuff but of course to be off leash in jersey where you really shouldn't be off leash he needs, yeah. he needs a to be very killer trained. recall mm-hmm. a killer mm-hmm. so we spent so much time on it and it's it's non-negotiable for me it's like i don't really care and we yep. have it's like it feels like disney world sometimes we'll go out in the afternoon i'm like and here they are right on cue the six deer running up the hill or the the fox or <laughs> yes. the coyote or yes. you know yes. like it's a raccoon today hi um it doesn't matter what it is it always seems to come out like on an animatronic right in the middle of my walk um but so uh, we worked so hard on that so um but because of that he now gets the freedom that he needs to have the welfare that that Mm -hmm. will make him a, a better dog in the home so um that's what I think. If you have a dog that really, you know, you want to take to the to the ball game, and you've got kids, then you have to work on what that dog is right. going to be like a, around. That's you know, busy environments, not chasing the right. ball. Yeah, that's yeah. that difficulty piece. But I agree too. I say all the time, I want dogs to have big lives. In order for them yep. to have big lives, they have to have big skill sets. Not everybody yep. needs like what you're talking about. I also work. I work extremely hard on off-leash reliability because I want to exercise my dogs off-leash in nature. And Mm -hmm. by doing so, they have to be very trained. And it's just kind of, it just is what it is. And so frequently you can look at kind of a household and you can say, okay, where where are we going to meet in the middle? This dog needs Mm -hmm. this. So it has to have the skills to do this. So I love it. I think I think thinking about freedom, but also thinking about the difficulty of the situations kind of brings maybe that skills piece in the middle can kind of shrink or or grow. Oh, grow on depending on the, the situation. situation. Exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. So my other dog, for example, he's a um, like a mix of a toy and a terrier. He's only eleven pounds, but he just when he's out in nature, he's just like, I'll see you in a week and I'll be back. You know, like he just. <laughs> It doesn't, he's got a really good recall when he wants to have a good recall. And then he just, he is lost in nature. And so unfortunately, when we go out, he's always on a long line. It's just the way it is. Um, and he doesn't have that freedom because it wouldn't be safe for him. He would get lost and mm-hmm. um, and it wouldn't be good. So then he gets his freedom at home in my yard and we do other stuff um, together. But it's yeah, not the freedom, the that, same freedom as choose. Right. But also the difference in the individuals sounds like he's also okay with that. Oh, he's fine. In a way that yeah. maybe I mean, he's probably a bit, probably a bit bummed up. 
Yeah, sure. Would be like, why is he getting all of them, would, of them would rather yeah. be off leash? Of like, course. all of them would rather be off leash, but certainly. Yes. Okay, yeah. wonderful. So, what is it? Because it's people can access this a couple of different ways, um, which I think is important because there are just different ways to absorb different information, and people are different in how they like to absorb absorb information. So, talk about um, how people can learn about this. So, it actually originated as a video because I have a background in television. I used to be a TV producer for years before I was a dog trainer, and. Um, and I love doing that work for Nickelodeon and MTV. And so that's like my passion. So, and I knew I wanted it to be animation so I could put dogs in situations that I would never put them in, in a filming, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> perspective, no way. So um, it's a 40 minute video to learn about all four zones. And that gives families the information or people the information. And then there's a workbook that goes with the dial, the dial method video, um, which I thought was really important because you know, I mean, the longer you do this, the more you know that training is so nuanced. You cannot provide cookie cutter training and expect it to work on one family and then another home that looks completely different. So the workbook allows you to take the the things that you learned, you know, the um, the content and then actually customize it to your own family, your own children, your own dog, your own lifestyle, um, your own environment, family, you know, family home environment, which I thought was really important. So you can do either. So there's the digital version, which is like video and e-workbook, or you can buy a book version of the dial method on Amazon and then the book version of the workbook as well on Amazon. Um, so yeah, if you want to write scribble notes on it, or if you might want to do both. I mean, t- some people are just really love watching videos and you can, you can get such a good understanding of all of this as saying just in 40 minutes, it's quick. Cause that was the thing is like families just don't have the time they and don't. this bust is not, it's not going to be the end of the story for them, but I think it busts down some walls about mindset going into this, what living with a dog looks like and just setting them up in the right tone so that then a professional can come in and say, right, we're going to pick up the conversation here and talk about, you know, see your dog or parent your dog. What does that look like in your house? And then, you know, it can be explored further. So speaking of kind of the, the product and what it looks like, and I loved the video and I think that that's a really what an easy way to digest any kind of information is like a quick animated video and you have it organized in into, I can watch it 10 minutes at a time. I don't have to watch all 40. And it's just, I, you, you thought ahead on that. (laughs) You were like, how, how are people going to um, best absorb this? So it's, it's comes through that you have that background in television. So for my listeners, Here's how I think about this product. Most of my clients are actually like dog sports light or or even hobbyist prof- like on their way to being a professional or like they're they're nerds. Like my most of my clients are already like super dog nerds. I'm still and in I'm still I'm still in your zone, Sarah. I'm super dog nerd yeah. too. <laughs> I'm so just happy. family super um. dog nerd, I guess. <laughs> most of my clients being super dog nerds we tend to be that person that like Thanksgiving dinner table, uh, uncle John is like, um, Hey, so I've got this dachshund and he's doing this thing. What do you, what do you think about, what do you think about this? Or your cousin is like, 
Well, have you heard of a guy named Caesar Milan? I mean, like that, those are the conversations that happen. Um, in fact, my massage therapist last week was like, does the, was the name Caesar Milan mean anything to you? And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, does it mean anything to me? No, like, I've never, I've never like, heard, never heard of it. I was like, no, I'm Amazing. not triggered or having any feelings right now at all. Um, and these, these kinds of things happen and I, have wanted for a long time to have a better resource to just say, you know what you need? It's this to family members, to people who are not dog nerds, but they're trying to live with their dog. And I'm not, I'm not saying like this thing is not for dog nerds. Cause I think dog nerds are going to appreciate it on a level that like non dog nerds can't just be like the way that I did. And I was like, when I told you, I'm not easily impressed, but that I was <laughs> impressed. Um, I think that's like where the dog nerd people are going to come from, but how cool to just be like, you know what? This is a really good starting point for you. I think this is going to help you have the information that you need rather than having to have this really, you're in this position of like, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for us to try to help our family, especially for free, but we get between like a rock and a hard place. A lot of the time and we'd like to do something for them. And a lot of people do not have a good referral source locally. And that's where I think this can come in for most of my listenership. I think a lot of my listenership is going to benefit from this in their own household. But the pros and the super nerds are going to benefit from knowing that this is here to say to their friends and family who or their neighbor who has an opinion on how they walk their dog or whatever. This is the this is just such an easy way to distill a lot of the information that is hard for people to understand. So when we start to get into like, tell people where they can find you, (laughs) what I want you to talk about is like, there's kind of two roads here. It's kind of, how would you like to use this if you'd like to use this? And there, there's more than one way that we can. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for saying that because I think that's that was what I tried to do is boil down um, some of the best science and best dog behavior information that's out there. You know, we're lucky enough to go to conferences and, and get all of the state of the art stuff. And I just don't feel like it's trickling out to the masses in the way that God, I'd like I agree. it to. Such um, a they're just thing. listening to the it's loudest not. voices. They well, they're watching the loudest, Caesar, like we yeah, just talked about. <laughs> Yeah, they listen. The loudest voices are the ones that are getting heard, and the quality mm-hmm. voices that are really making a difference that we see. It's just not trickling out there. So, a lot of the ideas in this, you know, um, have come from amazing people um, that I've I've listened to speak, and I've been collaborating with to try to make this happen. So, um, you know, like Kim Brophy, like Suzanne Clothier. If you're familiar with her work, then mm-hmm. you know this is going to be an Andrew Hale. There's a whole bunch of of um, of really good sciencey stuff in here for the nerdies. Um, I'm with you, nerdies. Um, okay, so there's different things you can do. You can either you could buy it yourself and just as a consumer and and watch it, and that's on thefamilydog.com if you go there, or you could even just type in thedialmethod.com. Either one of those will get you there. And then we also have like a referral partnering 
um, set up as well. So if you are a professional and you do not want to work with families, but you would like families to have some help, you can sign up for our referral program, which is called Team TFD, which is Team the Family Dog, um, on our pro side of our website, which we'll, we'll drop a link to in here um, so you can find it easy. And then you'll earn some commission every time um, one of the programs is sold. And some people are a bit funny about getting commission because it feels a bit weird. And we felt weird about giving it, but we wanted to say thank you to people for sharing it. So collect it all up and give it to your local shelter or to whatever, you know, um, cause feels important to you. Or um, or put it in your pocket, professionals. You're already not even charging enough. So quite. Set up quite. your referral link. Yes. <laughs> Get paid. Get paid for sharing Please it. It's your paid. time. And time is time is money. Time is money. Yes. And you're right. We don't get paid anywhere near enough for what we, you know, the amount of heart and soul we put into our work. Yes, um, exactly. And then the last piece is if you really like it and you're like, oh my God, this is great. And I'd love to integrate this into my training. Um, we have, we just ran the first workshop um, last month and we're going to run another one in 2024 to become a dial guide. So you'll understand the dial on a deeper level than the average person and you'll be able to guide families through this and help them and integrate what you're already teaching with what is in the dial method to try to make it really simple um, for families to, to, be, to be successful. I love it. We're going to put all those links, of course, in here. And... I just want to encourage everybody to, you know, check it out, see if it's going to help you, see how it's going to help you. And don't, you know, don't hold back, like go check it out, reach out to Justine. If you have questions about it, I'm sure that you are open to talking to folks about any of this stuff. And so open. So I really liked it. I love it. Yeah. All All right, Justine. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me. I think people will be excited to go check that out. Is there anything else you'd like to drop as far as where people can find you? Or is it basically thefamilydog.com and that's where we're going? Familydog.com is the best place to start. And if you want to send me an email, you can just send it to justine at thefamilydog.com and um, and we'll get back to you. Answer any of your questions that you might have. Excellent. Thanks, Justine. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you heard this podcast. And don't forget to join Patreon at patreon.com slash cogdogradio. And if you're interested in more content like the stuff you heard here, I hope you'll check out my online courses, my membership, and all of my offerings at my website, sarahstremming.com. See you there.